podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today for our midweek episode up on a Thursday morning. We've got two great guests for you today. We are talking about betting in the Sweet 16. Our good friend Daniel Alexander of Grinders with Blinders is back on the show. We are going to talk bets over-unders and against the spread for every Sweet 16 game, including Baylor. And yes, all the ones that don't include Big 12 teams anymore. And then our good friend Ryan Gilbert. Go Paracat is going to join us. We're going to talk about Kansas State, the situation with Bruce Weber. What's going on? How much longer does he have? What's going on in Manhattan? Can they turn this around? What does he need to do so? It's the other big off-season question regarding Big 12 men's basketball part. Someone leaving or the NCAA in Kansas, I'm not going to even get into that stuff. So two really good interviews, uh, really good show. One scheduling note for you for next week. I know we said we'd be back to our regular scheduled programming. However, I am going to be out of town with family this weekend. So we're our, uh, our early episode next week will not be up on Monday. It will be up on Tuesday as well. We should have Andy and Jamie back. We will get to that. Uh, one thing I did want to note, uh, we had to adjust our schedule for today show we were going to bring a guest on to talk about the women's tournament uh, we weren't able to do so that's our bad not theirs uh baylor moved on to the sweet 16 and texas the six seed upsetting three seed ucla they have moved on to the sweet 16 as well uh, everyone else has gone home oklahoma state in a, a battle with number one seed overall seed stanford uh, they played them close was the closest that any eight seed played a one seed so props to them iowa state in and look we'll talk about this with jamie a, a soul-crushing loss, losing on a buzzer beater at the end of overtime against two-seed Texas A&M. That, they had a big lead going into the fourth quarter, couldn't hang on. A&M gets another barely win, uh, which is that's how A&M is surviving thus far. Really just a crushing loss for Iowa State, and it, it sucks. I don't, I don't know about other way to say that it sucks. Uh, West Virginia uh, just flat-out got beat, flat-out uh, as the three-seed. I just got beat, or four seed just got beat by Georgia Tech uh, by almost 20. So Baylor and Texas move on. Uh, we'll continue to, to root for them. How wild would it be to see Baylor's men and women both win the national championship in the same season? It's possible. I think it's only ever been done once, and it was UConn. Of course it was UConn. Of course it was. We'd love to see if Baylor could pull it off. That would be a really cool thing for the Big 12. Before we get to our interviews, a little uh, podcasting business for you. Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State. I know you guys like your team. You like to show off your appreciation and your love for your team, be it for baseball season now for Texas Tech, basketball season still, uh, men's and women's for Baylor, or softball season because, hey, Cyclones, the Cyclone, the, the ladies are doing a really, really good job. Easiest way to do so with some excellent, awesome, fantastic gear from Home Field Apparel. The most comfortable vintage college football college sports apparel there is with more than a hundred different schools available including our friends texas tech baylor iowa state right now they've also got hawaii and butler and valparaiso and illinois state and maryland and alabama colorado state louisville winthrop all available these shirts t-shirts sweaters 
hoodies, joggers. They are all incredibly comfortable. And I mean, honestly, guys, there's just there's just no one who creates better vintage logos and designs for college sports and college teams than Homefield does. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code 1012. Get yourself 20% off your first order. Don't forget that all orders of $70 or more get free shipping right now. It's perfect. Because you're not going to buy one thing. I promise you will not buy just one thing. Maybe you buy two things for Texas Tech or a Texas Tech and a Baylor or a Slippery Rock and a Georgetown or an Iowa State and a Michigan. It's a weird combo. Iowa State and Iowa. Maybe you got a, maybe you got a split house. You know, live in the same state. It's possible. It happens all the time. Homefield Apparel. Follow them on Twitter. You really should. You will appreciate it. Uh, go to the website, grab some stuff. Promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping. Be rocking the most comfortable and awesome vintage college sports apparel there is. All right, do us a favor. Follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast. T-E in the number 12, the word podcast. Give us a follow on the gram at 1012pod. We're posting some stuff there. Uh, Don't forget, please, let me just please, 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 let me ask you a favor. Uh, We did a big push for this back in December and we got some and I appreciate it. Um, Now it's March. We would like some reviews. So if you are a fan of the show, you have a a critique or criticism of the show. I know we haven't been doing our 10 questions as of late. We will get back to those. I I promise. I thought those were kind of fun. Um, Let us know, especially on iTunes. That's, That's where most of these happen. It's where most of them matter. So if you're an iTunes listener, leave us five stars. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like. You got an idea? Shoot it to us. We would appreciate it. So if you got an idea, leave us a review. Hit us up on Twitter at 1012podcast. Hit us up on the gram at 1012pod. Daniel Alexander, Ryan Gilbert, let's do it. There may only be one Big 12 team left in the tournament, Baylor, but we still want to talk betting because why not? There's eight games. They all kick off Saturday. By the way, if you're not aware, the, the weekend schedule is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm ready for COVID to be done. I think we all are. I miss those Thursday, Fridays. Um, we have our good friend, Daniel Alexander. Grinders of Blinders, our pro picker, back with us today. We're going to make, we're going to talk betting over unders against the spread for all eight Sweet 16 games. Obviously, we don't know the Elite Eight matchups, so we're not going to touch those. Daniel, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, great to be here. It's been a really fun first two rounds. As we were talking before we hit record, it has been uh, what highest average seed ever for Sweet 16. There's been fun upsets. Oral Roberts has made it interesting. Oregon State has made it interesting. Uh, this will be a great weekend. Yeah, if you don't have a dog in the fight, it's been awesome. If you were one of the teams who, <clears throat> or a fan of a team who got upset earlier, uh, not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's still fun. It's been It's been exciting. It's been a good watch. I'm really curious how the Sweet 16 plays out. Does the insanity carry over? You know, or is, are we going to start to see it get a little bit chalkier like we think? Because, I mean, the, the consensus heading this tournament, would it would be crazy, but it would get pretty chalky once we hit the, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four. Um, that's still, that's day still, one. Yeah. Day one has, it, it's it's all, you know, pretty big spreads. You know, shortest spread on, on day one of the Sweet 16 is six, actually that Houston-Syracuse game. So, you know, we have four sizable dogs on that first day. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And there's, you know, I mean, if any of these dogs win straight up, it'll be a, quite an impressive feat getting themselves into the Elite Eight. Yeah. Well, let's just start, let's start there. Let's start with our Saturday games. First game up on the day, uh, 
all times are central time. I live in the, you know, God's country. So the central time zone is the correct time zone. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, 140 hey, at right. CBS. We've got Oregon State uh, versus, you know, Loyola Chicago, the, the team everyone loves. Uh, yeah. Loyola currently has six and a half. No, I'm, I'm going to just put this. All the lines we're using are coming off of the Action Network app. Is what we use. No, they are not a sponsor, but if they'd like to be, they're welcome to. Uh, they have Loyola Chicago, the eight seed, as a six and a half point favorite, over under at one twenty five and a half. Daniel, what are your what are your thoughts on this game? Fascinating matchup. Sister Jean throwing a kegger in the parking lot before this thing tips off. Uh, Oregon State. I mean, man, they won the Pac twelve tournament uh, as some pretty hefty underdogs, and then. They come out first two rounds and, uh, you know, win straight up. And what were they, seven-point dogs uh, in 32 to Oklahoma State? Is that right? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yep, seven-point dogs. And they were a, a nine-point dog to Tennessee. They've won two games straight up. And here they're sitting against sort of six-and-a-half, seven-point dogs against Loyola Chicago. This game has a very, uh, very low total, 125, 126. A little side note as far as futures betting that's sort of fascinating here. Loyola Chicago was, was a pretty popular, you know, long shot bet to win it all. And uh, I think they might have even been up a, a, a 200 to one at one point and not that long ago. I'm talking 200 to one like a month ago. And they were even 80 to one at the start of the tournament. With this draw that they have with Oregon State being, you know, and they're a pretty hefty favorite. Uh, if they're to win this game, I think they play the winner of Syracuse Houston. Mm -hmm. What gets fascinating is against Houston, they'd be almost a pick. And against Syracuse, they'd probably be another six or seven point favorite. Anyone holding a big futures ticket on Loyola Chicago is, you know, you're set up very nicely right now. You could already start hedging. This is a great spot to be in for any futures ticket holders there. Uh, so that's another narrative that I just, it'll be fun to watch play out. But as far as this game is concerned, right now we're looking at 50-50 betting. Uh, no major moves. The line ticked off of seven to six and a half across the board in a lot of places. I think Oregon State is very hard for a lot of bettors to figure out, uh, especially when it comes to sort of modelers and quants or what have you, because they are way overperforming how they're supposed to. Frankly put, they weren't supposed to win their last two games. And they're now in a position again, getting another seven with a low total and a, and a sizable favorite like this. I actually lean towards Loyola Chicago. Uh, I think the magic's going to run out for the Beavers. Uh, so I don't have an official play myself. I would lean towards Loyola Chicago. One interesting note, uh, neutral site game, obviously. They're playing it at, at Banker's Life. The under there so far in the tournament's been eight, three, and one. Uh, and this total opened uh, 126, got hit immediately. Actually, it's been hit by everybody. Chris, Circa, Rivers, uh, excuse me, 127 and a half. And it's now down to 125 and a half. I still think that's an okay number. There's a 126 at Pinnacle. So loyal, I, I fa favor to the under here in this first matchup. Fascinating game, especially for futures implications. So that's interesting. So I have I have Loyola. Um, I make all my picks in picks in the Action Network. Um, I've got Loyola minus six and a half. These are two teams. Loyola's put up seventy one points in both games to open the tournament. 
Oregon State put up 70, and then 80. I I guess looking at what these two teams have done thus far, I'm a little confused as to why this total is so low. And I get that the lows at the arena have, have hit, but the teams thus far have outperformed that combined. I'm confused because I have the over because I'm like, okay, we've, I, they've both scored enough in all their games thus far that it should hit over 125. So I guess I'm just a little confused as to why this number is so low and why everyone's on the under. Uh, I, that that goes back into what I was talking about before, where Oregon State is really, you know, they're not playing they're not playing to the spreadsheet, right? They're not playing to the numbers that everybody has. They're playing well beyond that. And they sort of have been even back. in if you go back into the PAC 12 tournament, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it overperforming or, you know, or what have you, but you know, on, on paper, th- this game should be like a, you know, 67, 60 type affair, 65, 58 type affair with Loyola Chicago winning. And uh, that's how, Oregon State has been sort of, you know, set up to be looking at for the whole season when you're looking at their numbers. But again, they're playing way past that. Does it end? Does it continue? Does the does the Cinderella story keep going on for Oregon State? I guess we got to tune in and find out. I don't think so. I think Loyola <laughs> Chicago is just, you know, one of those well-coached, disciplined teams that's going to, you know, end, end any sort of overperformance that we've been seeing from Oregon State. Fair enough. Our only Big 12 involved game, Baylor and Villanova. <clears throat> that second game on Saturday, 4.15 on CBS. Uh, Baylor's a seven-point favorite over-under at 140 and a half. Uh, what's, your, what's your feel here? Um, I will most likely be taking uh, Baylor. Uh, they're still six and a half at Penny. They're, si- they're seven everywhere else. I'm going to try to just shop for the best line, probably that six and a half. But let's talk through this year. We have the highest bet game so far of the weekend. Um, maybe the most marquee matchup. You know, when you look, you know, uh, Villanova, Jay Wright, you know, a lot of history there. Baylor, uh, a one seed, a uh, top performing team in the country this year. There's a lot of good narrative, you know, uh, past history with Villanova, present with Baylor. A lot of eyes are going to be on this game. Some reasons I really like Baylor. Uh, Villanova is getting like literally almost 75% of the spread bets tracked right now. So we have the highest bet game so far of the weekend, and we have a huge lopsided situation. One of the most lopsided games that I've seen so far in this tournament. Now, of course, it's going to even out as we get closer to game time, but you know, we're talking about a favorite Baylor who opened at six, who is getting, you know, sub 30% of spread tickets and that line has moved out to six and a half or seven, something doesn't add up when you just follow the line and follow the money. Um, Why would this team who everyone's betting against, you know, get this reverse line movement, go out to six and a half and seven. So uh, I I think Villanova has done very well against some undermanned teams. I mean, North Texas, I mean, you know, Great. We're happy for them. They made the round of 32, but you know, how good are they? Villanova dismantled them pretty easily. So I think there's a little bit of a recency bias of people saying Villanova is great, unstoppable. I love that Baylor is probably going to go off at sub 40% tickets, reverse line movement for them. I'm officially going to be on Baylor minus six and a half. Yeah. I've got Baylor minus seven. Um, 
you know, Nova was a popular first round upset pick. Mm-hmm. They 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 snuck out of the first round. They got a North Texas team, which how they beat North Texas just makes Purdue's loss look that much worse. Um, I'm with you. I, I I just think Baylor's too deep. Again, this is a Baylor team that like, they they've got seventh and eighth guys. Off, you know, third guy off the bench would be first guy off the bench for most teams, if not a starter. So um, I'll, I'll take Baylor minus seven here as well. Uh, go ahead. You know, I was going to say too. You know, Villanova obviously well coached, mm-hmm. right? Oh, coaching yeah. department, yeah. Co- coaching department. They're going to be great. Um, I. I it, I just don't see it. I don't see the upset here of Baylor. Could it happen? Of course. I guess, you know, when you have a legitimately good coach in college basketball, anything could happen. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I look, I agree. And, and it's, but the likelihood as well as Baylor's playing again, we know how good Baylor is. It just doesn't seem. I, I, this is, this is, we knew coming into the season who the two best teams in the country are or were. And lots of things happened and lots of opinions happened and Baylor got COVID and we're sitting here at this point in the season going, hey, guess who the two best teams in the country probably still are? The two we've known all along. Um, so it feels like the 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 championship game we expect to get is inevitable. Now, granted, we get to that Final Four, we'll see what happens. But I, I again, I think it gets, starts, this is when it starts getting chalkier is, is this spot here. Uh, okay, game three, 6.25 p.m. on TBS, ORU. The Golden Eagles, the darling of this tournament, who've uh, knocked off both Ohio State and Florida, uh, are currently at 11.5 point dogs to three seed Arkansas. Over under on this game is 159. I am, I am taking ORU plus 11.5. I do not think ORU wins this game. I, I this isn't just a thing where like I live in Arkansas. I've watched a lot of Arkansas. I think this is a good Arkansas team. I think they are really well coached, despite what's his name that decided to say that Texas Tech had an decisive advantage over Arkansas because of Musselman versus Chris Beard. And he's still trying to double down on that <laughs> BS nonsense. What a moron. Um, I think Arkansas Todd, is good. Todd, just for the listeners, that was Todd Furman, right? Todd Furman on, Thank you. on yeah, on, yeah. he's on Twitter saying that he's just been getting dragged <laughs> as he should. Uh, I, I, I thought Arkansas would make this elite eight. I feel continue to feel confident about that with them and, and Baylor. Um, ORU's run has been awesome, and full credit to them. It's not fluky. They're playing really, really well. Uh, O'Banner and Abmus are awesome. So I think ORU covers this, but I think Arkansas wins. What What are your thoughts here? Um, I, I have an opinion on the side. I'm going to have an official play on the total. Um, a lot of credit to Eric Musselman. Just what a coach. Now, look, he, he's not some new kid on the block. He was mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, you know, when he was over in Nevada, up in Reno uh, for a few years, he had some great teams up there, uh, well-coached teams, and he's brought that to Arkansas. And uh, I do think they're going to win this game. I do have him pegged uh, also for the Elite Eight. I've got a few brackets of them in the Final Four. Uh, I actually think they might cover, and one of those reasons is I'm going to be playing the under. Arkansas – uh, Musselman has done an awesome job defensively so far this tournament. And I don't think that stops. Uh, he, we've had uh, two games and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but both of Arkansas's games have gone well under the number. Uh, the first round against Colgate, it had the highest total in the opening round. I love that over. They really had to make a push at the end. Still couldn't get the over uh, last week versus Texas tech game went way under, uh, 
And I think we're going to see more of that. The game is at banker's life. Arkansas has really turned this up defensively. We have another really high total, 159. And what's telling to me is that there haven't been any moves to the over on this thing. We got one play on the under right when it opened at Sugar House. We've got 50-50 betting on the total. But if there was any sharps hanging around and thought this line was short, I think we would have seen it by now. And that hasn't happened. I'm going to be officially playing the under 159. And I think with the way Arkansas has been playing, and I think with the way, uh, you know, are there going to be any nerves for Oral Roberts at this point? A sweet 16 shot against, you know, they're 11 point dogs. This smells like favorite to the under to me all day long. So very good. I'll tell you what, I'll ride with the under with you here. Under Army. That's where we are right now. Uh, okay. It. Last game of Saturday. Uh, Houston, six point favorite. The smallest line here uh, over number 11 since Syracuse. Over under set at 140. I've got Houston to cover here, and I, I don't feel good about it because I just, I. I just don't know that I trust Houston. I know you have them in your championship game. I am not nearly as big a fan of, of Houston. And I don't just mean that from a fan perspective. I just mean from, I just don't like them as much as you do. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, although, you know, in our bracket, I do, I've got Houston in the finals, but, you know, we asked the question, which one of these dogs is going to just come out here and win straight up. And, I know Syracuse sort of limped into this tournament, but they're they always they're do. alive. They're <laughs> always a bubble team that sneaks in and makes a Sweet 16 run. It happens every time. Jim friggin' Bayheim. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, look, no, no, no problem at all, man. Hey, look, Jim is great against the spread, and a lot of those against the spread situations turn into straight-up wins in this tournament. They are live to win this game straight up. I mean – I, I think there's a very good possibility that they beat Houston. Uh, I think Houston get out coached in this situation. Uh, the line is only six. There hasn't been open at six and a half, ticked down to six. That means Syracuse has, has taken some sharp money. We're seeing 50 50 betting. I'm going to make an against the spread bet. Spread bet on Syracuse. I'm not going to be surprised at all when they went straight up. And I think we're, I think we're going to have Syracuse, Loyola, Chicago, and the Elite Eight. And I think Loyola Chicago is going to stamp it to the Final Four. I think that's what we're going to see out of this bracket oh, again. Oh man, yeah, I've got the Houston pick, and I'm back and forth. I'm going to waffle and probably end up with Syracuse by the time we're done here. By the time the games tip off. Speaking of games and betting, uh, we'll be right back. March is here, and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. That's one dollar. Doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for players and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag. Use promo code 1012-TEN12 to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code 1012 to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL. No matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. So visit MyBookie.com. 
ag today with promo code 1012. All right, the other four games on Sunday, we start off with Creighton and Gonzaga. Uh, at this point, Gonzaga 13 and a half point favorite over Creighton over under at 158. I, uh, I At the moment, I have two plays on this game. I have both Gonzaga because they're playing fantastic and Creighton, another team that I that many people thought could get upset in the first round has made it to this point. Um, I think looks pretty good at this spot and I have the under of the 158. I just... I think Gonzaga's playing well enough defensively. Now, I, the only concern I would have is Gonzaga going and scoring a whole bunch of points and Creighton not having to do much. But uh, what are your thoughts here? This is so interesting. People had, had penciled this as sort of like the one shot a team might have to beat Gonzaga is, you know, the matchup of Creighton versus Gonzaga. And that 13, 13 and a half points, I just don't personally see it. Um, I haven't. I think I've bet against Creighton every step of the way. Uh, I mean, that's obviously not been good for my bankroll, but <laughs> I just don't love Creighton in this tournament. I think Gonzaga really rolls and covers this number. This feels like another favorite to under spot. It's almost an identical line to that Arkansas Earl Roberts of just, it's going to be too much for Creighton to handle. Uh, I just, I still just see a clear path for Gonzaga here. Uh, okay, game two, four o'clock CBS on Sunday. Florida State and Michigan. Looks like Michigan's currently a two and a half point favorite. I think that opens at a three. Uh, over under is one forty three and a half. Um, I currently have Florida State plus two and a half. I have of this of this region. Florida State was my favorite Final Four pick um, of all the options. I think I had Texas in a few of my other rando brackets, but the, my primary bracket, I've got Florida State in the Final Four. And I, I still feel like that's most likely what's going to happen what this is another fascinating matchup uh obviously the big 10 everyone just you know pundits people on twitter other teams everyone's just had fun beating up on the big 10 and just the huge flop that they've had uh this year in the tournament so we have another situation where i think people are sort of fading michigan in that big 10 spot which I don't blame you. This is just a tough matchup. Juwan Howard's probably one of the you know better coaches right now left in this tournament, coaching up their team. Uh, I'm really undecided when it comes to a side on this game. Michigan is getting almost 70% of the bets. I feel like Florida State is the sharper side as we sit here today. Uh, they do have the line move. You know, they're only getting about 35, 30% of the spread tickets. I'm going to lean to the under, though, and play this one officially. Both of these coaches actually have pretty good uh, under records on neutral courts. Uh, so I, I like that we have two neutral court coaches playing each other. I like that, again, that it's at Banker's Life, where it just keeps hitting the under in this tournament. Uh, it, the total has ticked down a little bit. It got as high as 145 at some places. It's down to 143 and a half. Interestingly enough, there's no sharp moves on this game yet. Nothing's been tracked. You know, no big bets in any casinos for sides or totals. So this is a game maybe the Sharps are sitting out, and we're just going to see where the chips fall for Joe Public. But I'm officially playing the under. I would lean towards Florida State to cover the game. Okay. 
game number three, Oregon and USC. Man, the big the, the Pac-12, man, the Pac-12. Uh, USC is a two-and-a-half point favorite over Oregon, over under at 139. I'm riding with USC. I My Elite Eight in my primary bracket had USC versus Gonzaga. That's what seemed like most likely. That still feels like the, the right move here. So I'm riding with USC to win this game. I think it will be close. I think the line's probably about right. But I'll take USC to cover. Uh, a sharp group, uh, sharp syndicate came out and blasted USC around like minus one, minus one and a half on this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Circa took a move. Bet Rivers in Pennsylvania took a move on USC. Um, I love that USC is sub 40 tickets. And that line moved out from one, one and a half. Now we're all the way out to some juiced up two and a halves. It's like, I think if we start seeing threes by this weekend, I feel like USC money line is... I think USC will win the game. Um, that's the side I'm going to be on as well. I just love, I love sweet 16, you know, public against the fave and the fave has reverse line movement with sharp moves. I mean, that's just sort of a, a, a perfect storm that you look for as a better for a side you're going to take. Uh, I have no clue on this total. I mean, man, after what Oregon just did to Iowa, was putting up 95 points in regulation. Yeah, but and, I mean, <laughs> they had the. I mean, you have to take into consideration they didn't play a first round game, and Iowa did. And I do think that had. I'm not saying that's why Oregon won, but I I have a hard time thinking that didn't have an impact on why they were able to play as well as they did. Sure, I guess I'll agree with you there. Um, I guess I just see it differently as, you know, it's one thing. You know, I think that game, that Iowa-Oregon game total was, I, I believe it went off at 148. Um, and, I mean, they just blew that thing out of the water. Game, you know, went over by 35 points or something like that. Oregon in regulation, putting up almost 100 points. You know, that really, that really skews, you know, how they're performing. You know, they've, their, their pace has gotten faster as they've gotten healthier. And we saw that through the Pac-12 tournament. But – you know, this total is just sitting at 139. It feels like it feels like every better on earth would say, holy crap, are you kidding me? After what Oregon just did, this total is only 139. This game is going to go over easily, which then makes me think immediately, okay, well, we're going to take the under, right? Like mm-hmm. 139 seems so crazy low for what we just saw. We've got to go on the under. But with Oregon's pace picking up, you know, I, I just – it's a total, I guess, long-winded way of saying I'm going to stay away from it because I have no clue, you know, uh, what we're going to see from these two teams, pace-wise, uh, total-wise, that sort of thing. I like USC. I'm going to be rolling with you. I'm staying away from that total. All right, last game, UCLA and Alabama. Alabama, a six-and-a-half-point favorite over UCLA, uh, over-under at 145-and-a-half. Bama has been playing – like Bama did when they went on that 10-game run where their mm-hmm. defense is so good and they're hitting their shots. And when Bama is hitting shots and playing defense like they are, it makes me very, very nervous about my Florida State Final Four pick because, like, if, if you – they're they're really good. Like, they just are. They, they have the players that fits that system. And when that system is working, when that s- s- scheme that, that Nate Oates wants to run works – 
man, they're they're tough to beat. I, I don't have a bet on this one yet. I really, really, really think that Bama should be favored by more. So I'm probably going to take Bama. Like it's been a nice run for UCLA. That's that's, that's great. Pac-12 stories, lots of fun. I I think Bama wins this one. I I kind of wonder if this ends up being one of the surprisingly bigger blowouts of the Sweet 16. Like we're all going to pick you know, Gonzaga over Creighton to be a big blowout, or we're all going to pick Arkansas over or you. I think one that you kind of go, oh, we can stop watching this at, at halftime might end up being this game. Yeah, this absolutely feels like the kind of game that could get out of hand because it's hard. If Alabama can continue playing how they are playing, it's hard to see how UCLA can keep up with that. So um, as far as that, you know, blowout we're not seeing coming, I, I do. I agree with you. There's a path to seeing how that can happen. Uh, this total is absolutely blasted. Uh, I mean, this thing opened at 142. It got smashed at 142. Uh, big move came in at Circa. I think they took a max bet, whatever it was, on the on a side, or excuse me, on a total 10,000 bucks or something like that. I think they took a few of those uh, right when this opened, right on 142, 143. We saw it just blast right through 144. This thing's now sitting at 145, and Pinnacle even has it at 146. That's a huge total move this late in a season and this late in a tournament. Uh, that tips my hand that I, I definitely think this game's going to go over the opener. Uh, has it moved too far? I don't know, but I would even still lean towards an over if you can find like a 145, 145 and a half. Um, you know, I'm not sitting here saying play the over Alabama 145 and a half. It's going to hit, but with the evidence we've seen and the moves that we've seen made, if you were going to pick a play on the total, I would lean towards the over. Um, I'm going to, uh, uh, as far as my own bankroll, I'm going to have a bet officially on Alabama. Um, I am sort of hoping for a little bit of buyback on UCLA so I can get a six flat on Alabama. Alabama's getting about 40% of the spread bets right now. They're taking a lot of the money. I, I lean with you. I think there's a good chance Bama runs away with this game and uh, covers that six pretty easily. Daniel, always appreciate your time. Uh, everyone, do yourself a favor. Give Daniel a follow on Twitter at DannerB7 uh, if you want some more great information on betting. Just so happens that there is a great uh, Grinders and Blinders Slack chat that if you'd like to hop into, Daniel would be more than happy to bring you in and talk about making picks, making bets across all sports that go on all the time. I know you're a Premier League guy like me. I don't bet on it, but I enjoy watching my my one, uh, my my Manchester City, which is my one like bandwagon fan team. Everyone hey. deserves one team that you know wins that you're a fan of. It's all I'm Great year. Yeah. Yeah, great year. My defense. Man City going on. I picked Man City because I didn't like Man U, so I picked Man City, and they turns out they're also good, which is fun. I, I enjoy <laughs> having one team that can win it all. So, uh, Daniel, always appreciate your time, man, and uh, we'll do this again soon, bud. Of course. Cash up this weekend. Go Baylor. If you're like me and you can't start your day without a cup of coffee, or two or three or four, make sure it's a good one. Start your day with a cup of Lazy Fair Coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world, roasted right in the heart of Big 12 country in DFW. 
Lazy Fair Coffee is the official sponsor of the 1012 Podcast Bracket Pool. Really appreciate them helping us out. And they have donated a few bags of their delicious coffee for our little uh, our bracket challenge. You can still get a great deal on a great bag of beans for yourself. Go to LazyFairCoffee.com. L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R Coffee. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. There are five great bags to choose from. Cafe Cubano, Good Morning Vietnam, Tanzanian Delight, Cafe New Guinea, and the Honduran Sunrise. Whatever you like, whatever style of coffee, whatever flavor you like, you're going to find something for you here. So go to Lazy Fair, grab a bag, grab two, check out the other products that they have as well. Use the promo code 1012, get 10% off your order, and be enjoying a really good cup of coffee to start your morning right away. It's been a little while since we've taught Kansas State. You know, Iowa State got all the attention with the coaching change. Uh, K State, the other team that finished there at the bottom of the Big 12, deserves a little talk. And I'm very excited to have our good friend Ryan Gilbert of the 10 Out of 12 podcast, our uh, our doppelganger, as well as Go Powercat joining us today. Ryan, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, it's been a while, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we didn't talk Kansas State, and the conversation with Kansas State, I, th- I think, begins and ends at all times. With Bruce Weber. All, everything we've seen and read up to this point um, from Kansas State's athletic director is that Bruce Weber is sticking around. And here we are on March 24th. I mean, that, that could change, but I feel like if Kansas State was going to make a move, they probably maybe would have at this point. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like he's back for another season. Before we dive into this past year and moving forward, I'm curious your thoughts on, on Bruce Weber as the coach at Kansas State. And I'll say this. I, I've said this before on this podcast, and I'll say it every time. I don't think Kansas State fans have really ever given Bruce Weber a true fair shake. Um, they have been unhappy with him ever since he arrived in Manhattan. It doesn't seem like he's somebody that they are uh, a big fan of. Doesn't, um, Despite um, you know leading Kansas State to a Big 12 regular season title, leaving Kansas State to an Elite Eight, it, it just seems like he doesn't get enough credit for when he succeeds and is just railed over the coals when when he doesn't. I am curious, as someone who covers Kansas State and as a, as a student at Kansas State, what are your thoughts and feelings on Bruce Weber? Overall, first and foremost, I wish that, that Frank Martin was still coaching K-State. That's how I've always been. I wish that they, you know, John Curry would have never let him go, but obviously Martin's gone and and Weber came here, but I've generally been supportive of Weber. I, I, he gets a lot of criticism, a lot of hate from the fans. There's no doubt about that. But like you mentioned, he's won two Big 12 titles. Um, he's the only coach not named Bill Self in his time in Manhattan to, to do such a thing. So, you know, he ended KU's, you know, 14, what was that, 15-year streak um, of consecutive Big 12 titles. So, you know, an elite eight, you know, he's done, he's done good things at, at K-State. There's no doubt about that. It's when it's going good, it's going great. However, when it's bad, it's, it's just been awful. And this past season and the season before last was just two terrible seasons. K-State, I mean, set records for worst program loss in history. Um, it was a 48 point blowout win at Baylor or a, a loss, you know, at Baylor, you know what I mean? Um, and then they got beat by Fort Hayes State here in Manhattan a division two program. And that game didn't even show up on the schedule because of the COVID, how it wasn't a division one, you know, game. So um, just this past season has been very bad. And season before last was also bad. 
Um, I'm okay if you're young once every four years. That's normal. You're not Kansas. You're not Duke. You're not Kentucky. You can't be good every single season. You can't be – I guess you should. You can't be great. You, could, you should be able to be good if you're, let's say, any Big 12 team besides TCU. So, uh, you know, if you have – let's go back to his first season. He takes Frank Martin's players and wins a Big 12 title. Good job. Great job for Bruce Weber for keeping that going. Um, next year they go, I think, 9-9 nine nine or 10-8 and eight in the Big 12. And then the following season, he loses control of his locker room. Marcus Foster derails the program, and he takes everyone with him, and there's a massive rebuild that takes years. Um, and, and Weber finally got, you know, it's a three or four years, but they won a Big 12 title. So, you know, that took time. That was a process. And following, you know, two seasons ago when they won that Big 12 title, K-State went 3-15 and 15 and 11-21 and 21 overall on that season. Then this past season, they went 9-20 and 20 and 4-14 and 14 in the Big 12. So I'm okay if you go that 3-15 and 15 season and you bounce right back and you go 8-10 and 10 and you're kind of flirting with the bubble, um, you know, maybe a playing game, but that's not what happened this year at all. You lose four players, um, and there's nothing normal about the rebuild. There's nothing normal about it. You know, you, you, it can happen once in a while where you get some bad eggs in your locker room, but this is, it's becoming, you know, it's like we were talking about this the other day. If you're going to go out and recruit a, a transfer, you might as well just do that because, you know, a grad transfer, I mean, they're only going to be at K-State for one season. And most of Weber's, you know, recruits have only stuck around for one season. So I think the stat is over two-thirds of his recruits at K-State have not stuck around for their senior year. Over two-thirds, Philip, isn't that? I mean, that's kind of the stat there. That, that That's the frustration with Bruce, the roster turnover, um, everyone just leaving. And, you know, like I said, the four players that left, man, you know, you've got Dejuan Gordon, who was one of the best, if not the best, recruit out of Chicago. You've got uh, Antonio Gordon, who was more of a role player. Rudy Williams, who was kind of a backup. And then Joe Petrakis, who wasn't really that important. But the fact that you lost Dejuan Gordon and Antonio Gordon, those were two of the pieces of the rebuild. That was the foundation of the rebuild, and Weber lost him. So that's I'm getting more and more frustrated as the days go on because it's like a ticking time bomb as to who's going to transfer away next. So overall, I, I kind of just badmouthed Bruce for a little bit there. But I've been happy with him in Manhattan. But this, this, this stuff going on as of late, it's, it's frustrating for sure. I mean, yeah, you had, what, five guys transfer out in 2020. Um, wherever you want to add Cartier, when you want to do that in 2020 or 2021, he left along with the four that you have leaving after this season. Like, it's it's hard to do a rebuild when everybody leaves. Um, roster attrition, mm-hmm. unless you're uh, Calipari, and that's the whole point is to have guys come in for a year and leave, roster attrition is not a great way to rebuild, you know, to, to find success. So looking at this past season, looking at the year coming up, I mean, they've got, they'll have three open scholarships. I mean, despite all the guys leaving, they're they're still going to have 10 guys on scholarship. Um, obviously, Nigel Pack, who I think was, uh, of the guys leaving, as long as Nigel Pack comes back, I understand you lose, you know, I understand the two Gordons are an impact. They are. As long as you're getting Pack back, I think that's, that's how you have to look at it and say, that's the guy you build around. And, I, and, I, and so I think that's big. I think getting Mike McGurl to come back for another season should be, you should give some credit to Bruce Weber for that as well. I mean, obviously it's, it's McGurl's op choice, but he seems to feel like another year at K-State for him when he could go um, is, is a positive thing. So I think, I think you, I'm so weird with transfers because it's such a part of the sport now and in sports, college sports period, football, football, 
basketball, and we always want to blame the coach, right? And I get it. But I also wonder if it's just the state of affairs in college sports to some extent. So I don't want to come on too hard. Um, and maybe, it, you know, it stinks losing Bill Gordons, losing Rudy Williams. But at the same time, if they don't want to be here, if they if they are, if the team is better off with them gone, which they might be, I don't know. Right? That, I mean, ha- it, it's... I'm rambling around here, losing my thought. The point is, we always want to blame the coach for not being able to keep guys on the roster. And I wonder in the state of things as they are today, if we should shift from that mindset a bit. You know, Coach Weber, at the end of the day, it I think it goes back to him. Um, you look at a, any kid who develops a bad personality, let's just say that, you know, someone who's slacking off outside of the locker room, you know, doing not good things off the court, right? Um, that I think that's on Weber and that's been Weber's Achilles heel is managing a locker room and keeping that, that little group in check because he can recruit talent. There's no doubt about it. Bruce, you know, Bruce is a great X's and O's guy. You know, we always talk about defensive oriented teams. He can do all that. It's just the fact that he loses control of, of so many players. And I'm not trying to pick his side or any player that transfers side. I'm not trying to, you know, pick sides here, but Weber, um, you know, Dejuan Gordon, let's take him as an example. He, he, he wants to go elsewhere, and he wants to be a leader. That should have been – Weber and Gordon should have been on the same page. Gordon needed to accept, and Gordon was a great role player, phenomenal. Getting to the basket, he could score, sure, but, you know, grabbing rebounds, grabbing loose balls, stuff like that. So that needed to be clear that, that Gordon was a role player, um, and Weber – they needed to make that clear, right? If, if at the beginning – that Weber thought he was going to be a superstar and he didn't turn out to be a superstar. It's still kind of Weber's fault for not developing him or even recruiting the, the right guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I get it. I totally do get it. And I, I understand that, you know, the transfer, it, it is just, it's uh, it's going to solve all your problems if you go into the transfer portal. Right. And it's, it's hint, hint, it's, it's not, but <laughs> that's what the players think. I get it. But at the same time, I think Weber at the end of the day, it, it all falls back on him. I've heard a lot of people through the years talk about, Weber's issue in the locker room and that when Kansas State has success it's because there is a presence in the locker room be it a player or two who dominate the roster but are good leaders and when he has those players in his locker room the team has success and when he doesn't they don't and so I wonder sometimes if that's the thing so my, my question for as we begin to look forward into next season and moving on for Bruce Weber is if they're going to find success next year, and success, I mean, we can talk about what that means for Kansas State in 2021-2022, in do you believe there are players on the roster right now who can step up and be the kinds of leaders that Kansas State has had when it has had success on the court? Hey, you mentioned Nigel Pack, man. He's going to be a future All-Big 12 player. I've got no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to transfer. I think he's going to only get better. He's all in at K-State, so... He is the guy you want on your team, on, on and off the court. He's a great kid, great player. Um, and you talked about Mike McGurl. Um, you know, I think if you're a K-State fan, you look at him coming back, that's optimistic. You know, why? if you're Mike McGurl, why would you come back if you think that your team's going to be 5-13 and 13 next year in the Big 12, right? The fact that he, he's coming back means that he thinks K-State's got some potential to make a run at the big dance. So McGurl coming back he's not going to be a superstar I think you can you can argue how many minutes he should get 
Um, you know, Mike McGraw on the, on the championship, the big 12 championship team was a role player getting maybe 20 minutes a game. Right. You know, that's his best. That's where he's best suited on the court. This season he was playing 35 minutes a game um, too much pressure on him. I think if, if K-State really is going to be good next year, McGraw's going to play going back to, you know, 20 minutes a game or so, because if he is doing that, then Pack and Selton Miguel and Bradford, they're the ones who are really scoring and getting those minutes. So, um, and I just, you know, Bradford, I, th I think that Bradford is, is pretty close to Pack. I, you know, Pack is the superstar, but Bradford's got NBA potential. He's a, he's a center. K-State has not had a true center in forever. They've had guys like, you know, Thomas Gibson or DJ Johnson or, you know, guys who can play down low, but they have not had a true center in it seems like forever so they've got the superstars if if they want to care if they want to buy in if they want to do the work I, I like the future of k-state basketball but you know like we've talked about weber's achilles heel is is keeping his locker room in check so if he can do that i'm excited for the future but you can't always be young k-state was young last year the year before and they're going to be young again this season you can't always have that excuse I got the COVID excuse because K-State was, they were banged up this year and they had a lot of issues, um, you know, with health and injuries. But next year, I think you've got to get back to that bubble line for sure. I mean, I think for K-State, I mean, if, with the amount of guys they're bringing back, everyone is year older. They will be young, but they won't be as young, right? Mm -hmm. And so obviously what you want to see from this Kansas State next season is improvement. If you're bringing back this many guys, you, you bring back Pack, you bring back McGurl, you bring back David Bradford, you bring back Selton Miguel. Like those are four guys who started majority of the games for Kansas State. So if they all are taking a step forward, especially especially Pack, and as you mentioned, Bradford, if they're all taking a step forward, that's progress and that's credit to Weber. And that's a good sign for a team that and a roster that is young. Um, at this point, like we said, they've got they've got three scholarships open, and that includes, I believe, um, now, does that include the two? Well, because they have one signee at this point in uh, in Logan Landers Center, um, and they've also got a commitment from from Maximus Edwards. I don't think he has signed as of yet. And that, if so, if I understand correctly, that should leave three open scholarships. So, looking at this roster, looking at uh, at what Kansas State is targeting for twenty twenty one or twenty one twenty two, does this feel like a spot where? you keep going after more high school kids, more youth, add more freshmen, or is this a good spot where Bruce Weber should be targeting some, some one off one year grad transfers who can come in and help make an impact for this team. Bruce Weber's already got enough projects on his team. Siri Lewis, who is a, he's a good athlete. There's all, he's, he's just too raw. There's all, you know, you can see potential in him. Sure. I think you could say the same thing about Carlton Lingard, a six ten big guy who can shoot the ball and, kind of gives you that Dean Wade type of offense, maybe, um, you know, there's potential in some of these guys, Maximus Edwards, he's going to be a project, you know, he signed late. Um, and, 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 and anyone that, that K-State signs, what, what day is today, the March 24th is yeah. going to be a project. I'm sorry. You know, you can find your diamond in the roughs in the spring, but at this point in the recruiting process, they're, they're not going to be an immediate impact player next year. They're, they're just not. So I think you've got to go, um, and, 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 and tap into that transfer market. I mean, it's been a one-way with everyone leaving K-State, nobody really coming in. I mean, Bruce Weber has had minimal success with the, port, uh, with the, um, with the portal. I mean, he's Casey, Casey Eziegu's been a decent addition um, from UTEP, but everyone's leaving. I'm not saying he's got to go out and be Chris Beard and grab yourself your, your Mac McClung or, 
your Matt Mooney. I'm not saying you got to go grab those guys, but just go grab someone who can give you, you know, seven, eight points a game and some solid defense. I know K-State's been reaching out to some guys, which is it's it's pleasing for me to see. But I, I think you're done with the, the spring recruiting cycle for high school kids. I just don't see any reason to do that. I think Logan Landers is going to be a great player. I, I really do. But Edwards is going to be a role player at best by the time he's a junior, senior. So I think you've got to tap into that transfer market. Yeah, I lied. I was wrong. Um, two open scholarships because I, I didn't take McGurl back in the camp. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it from, from that standpoint, you're going to have five sophomores, three juniors, one senior, two true freshmen. I think with the other two, it makes a lot of sense to bring in some transfers. And there are some quality transfers available. And with everybody, you know, if the – if the NCAA passes the everyone gets a one-time transfer and it gets to a play immediately rule, which everyone believes is probably going to happen this year, mm-hmm. then you don't even have to go get a grad transfer. There are sophomores and juniors and freshmen that are transferring that could make an impact for Kansas State when they arrive. Um, and if I was Bruce Weber, that, that's probably what I might do. I might go find a senior, a grad transfer senior who can come in and, and be a an impact player. And then I might go find one of the juniors or, or sophomores that are transferring who could come in for a couple of seasons in play as opposed to just one and, and help help speed up the process of getting back to being competitive in the Big 12 and, and being on the bubble. And going back to the point, if you go in and add more high school recruits, not only are you going to be young next year, but in three or four years from now, you're going to be, I guess, five. You know, you're going to be young again because there's just going to be that turnover we, you know, you, because there's no one old right now, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I told him you've got to go out and get someone that can make an impact next season. I don't think you're going to find that in the high school. So for Bruce, it, they've got the confidence for this year, but you've had two really bad seasons. I understand bringing him back for one more year. You're dealing with COVID. You are dealing with a shortened off season. It's a young team. And from, from the things that I have read, it doesn't sound like the boosters, the ones who would pay up the, the, exit fee for Bruce are interested in doing so. That's right now in 2021. It does feel like Bruce, though, heading into 2022 is on something of a hot seat of a, there has to be real progress. There has to be a a level of success for him to justify staying around for another season. I'm curious from your perspective, what is that level of success? What, what does he have to achieve in 21, 22 to continue to be the head coach at Kansas State into the future? I'll be blunt. I think you got to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, you, yeah, that's just kind of it for me. And I know that there's, I know Gene Taylor came out and said that, uh, you know, unless something off the court happens, whatever's going to be back next season. I don't really buy that. Um, I'm not saying he won't, you know, be back, but that's just, that, that seems like a total just PR, like say it because it's the middle of the season. Like, you know, you're not going to go out and say, oh, he's going to, you know, be fired, you know, so. I didn't really look too deeply into that. I know there's been rumors about him, of course, being fired. Um, there's been rumors about um, him taking a, a, a little, like a, on the athletic department staff, just being like a support, you know, staff member and a, a retirement. A, yeah. You can't see air sorry, quotes because yeah. this is not yeah. a visual. Medium, <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah. 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 Or, 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 or a straight up retirement is I've heard rumors about Gene Taylor, just wanting him to step down. And of course, Bruce Weber's not going to want to do that. I've also heard that, you know, the rumors will be back next year, but you know, uh, Brad Underwood, a, a former K-State basketball player. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that, uh, Phil, at Oklahoma State, now at Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. Then rumors about him coming back and coaching here at K-State. You know, I've heard uh, Craig Smith over at, at Utah State. 
I've heard, you know, a lot of rumors. My favorite was Kim English, the former Mizzou, you know, Tiger, and he's he's at George Mason. That actually just happened yesterday. So happy for him. But, you know, I've heard a million different things. If I had, oh, man, I don't even want to make a prediction because it's really just, it's all speculation at this point. There is a million-dollar buyout that, did I say that right? It reduces in on May 1st. So I wouldn't be surprised if something happens before then. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens after that. I wouldn't be surprised if nothing happens at all. It's all speculation at this point. The fact that they are out there recruiting though, you know, that shows that they want to be back and they plan on being back if they're still heavily recruiting um, right now in late March after a season. So we'll see what happens. But I think to answer your initial question, you've got to be a bubble team. And if you're not, I, I guess an NCAA tournament, if you're not even on the bubble, I think that, that Weber should be gone. And I, it's not a given that Weber was, is going to be back next year or even this year, you know, um, a lot of people wanted him fired after, you know, two seasons ago when they went three and 15. So we'll see what happens. Gene Taylor just today got a, a contract extension. So the, you know, 2027. So he's going to be around for a while. He's going to make the call um, and, and we'll see what happens with that. But I, I wish I could give you a prediction. I, it's just, 50-50, really. Yeah, his buyout right now is $2 million if it's um, as of April, until April 30. Uh, on May 1st, as you mentioned, it drops down to $1 million. His contract runs through the 2022-2023 season. So, I mean, really next year is a big is a big year for, you could consider a contract season, right? Yeah. Um, you don't want to get a coach coaching in his final season of his contract without a contract extension you can't recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think next year is a big year. Next year is a... Where you're either going to give him a contract extension next, if you're going to keep him another year, and I, I, I get the feeling they will, unless they just come to an impasse and are just no, we're just going to let it go. I think with McGurl committing to come back, it it does work in Bruce's favor, um, mm-hmm. and I think it, it makes a lot of sense to say you don't want to have to go through a coaching search in on in May. You'd like to do that earlier than that um, because of the way recruiting works nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to say. He's our guy. We're committed to him. Go and recruit and be able to do so. And if next season doesn't work, go ahead and let him go. Because again, it's going to be a $1 million buyout. That's not, in in the this day and age, that is nothing. They should be able to come up with that pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. and if, because if not, then you have to extend him because you can't have him coaching his last, in his last season of his contract. So next year is a make or break. You're either going to extend him or let him go. So it is going to be a, a you know, it's going to be something for the fan base to, to pay attention to. And I, I am curious, man, I think you're right, though. I don't know what the, I don't know what the internal expectations for Kansas State and success for Bruce Weber is. Um, but I think from the fan base perspective, and it may not be fair, but yeah, even a, just on the outside of the bubble looking in might not be enough for him. It, and, and it might have to be a, you, you have to get in or else situation. I, I think you get in, in you got to be in the field of 64, not the field of 68. Cause I, I think I've heard rumors that, that Weber would have been fired if they didn't make the NCAA tournament in 2017, they made it as a bubble team and they got in after a win over Wake Forest in the first four. But um you look at Steve Prohm, what was his buyout? Like five point something million. So it was a lot of money. I don't think that one million, two million, that's just potato, potato. You know, I don't think that that has really any impact on it. So, yeah, I, we'll see what happens. But I, I think that you, you've got to make the big dance because it, it has been, I guess it's only three seasons, but it's, you know, you won a Big 12 title. 
And then you went mm -hmm. last, second to last. And then if you don't make the big dance next season, you're looking at probably sixth or seventh or eighth place in the Big 12. I'm glad you mentioned Kim English. I'm just, I would, everyone just keep an eye on him. I would be shocked if he doesn't end up as a head coach in the Big 12 at some point. Um, or Missouri, obviously. Or, <laughs> you know, Tulsa if they don't figure out what they want to do with Frank Haith. But um, I would, he would make a lot of sense at a Kansas State. That's that's all I'm gonna say. That that's it. So, uh, Brian, man, I appreciate you joining us today. Um, always fun to talk a little K State basketball. It is, you know, I, and I hate that they're so bad right now. Um, and, and it was nice to see. I do think the other thing that's gonna have benefit Bruce here is that they ended the season on a on a on a fairly decent note, um, getting some wins, knocking off Oklahoma. So I. I you think he might be gone. I think he'll be back for one more season. I think it makes a lot of sense to just let him play, let him coach next year and, and, and see if he can't get it back on track. But, you know, we'll certainly keep a close eye on that, especially as we get closer and closer to May. And granted, $2 million's not that much either, but this is a pandemic, folks. You should spend your money wisely. $2 million for a guy to not do his job doesn't seem like money well spent, but whatever. Ryan, again, appreciate it, man. Always enjoy having you having the show. Uh, where can everybody check out the work you do covering Kansas State? Yeah, on gopowercat.com. It's a member of the 24-7 Sports Network. So even if you're subscribed to Texas or Oklahoma State, whatever it may be, you've got access uh, on 24-7 to that family of networks. You can follow me on Twitter at GPCRyanG. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want to follow me, but if you want to, sure. <laughs> I mean, I follow you. I enjoy you do. Following. Oh yeah, I follow you back. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, what's there? To, what's there about K State that's interesting right now? Come on. <laughs> I mean, Brandon McKissick. Yeah. There you go. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? That would, be, that would be a nice. That would be a nice transfer to pick up. Be very nice. That would, that would be a nice. Very nice. To pick up. All right, Ryan. Enjoy your night, sir. And we'll talk to you again soon, bud. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Podcast Network.